welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. I got a question for you to think about today. How far away is heaven from earth? Is it like far away, like Halley's Comet is far away? Apparently Halley's Comet's like 76 years between each arrival and the next one is 40 years from now. Some of you are like 40, that's so old, that's so long. Some of you are like 40 years from now, I'm gonna be dead, right? I'm not gonna be around. Is, is, that where, is that how far heaven is from earth? Like it's way far in the distance, in the future? Or is heaven far away from earth like the next closest galaxy to us, which is apparently over 230 quadrillion kilometers away? Is that how far away heaven is from earth? Like much, much higher, far away distance-wise? Or is heaven far away from earth like this, like this remote house? I don't know where that is. I don't know who lives there. That's just so far removed from my life. Heaven, which we can loosely define today, is like the spiritual realm or the world or the realm of God or the world as it should be, in many ways, for many of us, seems really far away from me, from now, from here. And I'm talking about kind of everyone, all of us, even many of you who would say, oh, I'm a person of faith or I believe in heaven. I know for many of us, we grew up with this idea. If you grew up in the church, that heaven was in the future, far away in the future, that someday, one day place that you hope you go after you die and, you know, make sure you bring some people with you and uh, try to be a good person so that you'll get into heaven when you die. But primarily it's far away in the future. It's something actually disconnected from now, from here, and in many ways from everyday life. Like if it's that place that I hope I go far away someday in the future, I might think about it when I'm at a funeral or when a loved one passes away and we say, oh, they're in a better place, although no one quite tells us exactly what's better about that place. We're not really sure, but we assume it's better. And we're looking forward to seeing them when we die. But other than that, we don't think about it very much. It's not only far away in the future, it feels far away from earth and far away from my everyday life. And so that in many respects, though I might believe in heaven, um, in my day-to-day life, it has nothing to do with earth. And then there are many of us actually, or some of us who would say, no, I I didn't grow up believing in faith or I'm exploring faith or I'm new to faith. I'm trying to figure this out. Heaven seemed far away from earth. This place we weren't even sure existed someday, one day in the future, very much the realm of God and whatever disconnected from my everyday life. And perhaps that's because we saw people who did quote, believe in heaven, but like they didn't seem to have a life too much different than ours other than, you know, they didn't smoke up or they didn't smoke up as much as we did. And they didn't swear. And, um, you know, they had to skip sports to go to church on Sunday. But other than that, they seem to be just involved in everyday life, just like we were. That heaven seems so disconnected from life and from earth and from now. (laughs) And yet, I think it's really good news to realize that Jesus, when he came to earth, had this to say, repent, which sounds like bad news, (laughs) but it actually just means rethink. Um, 
turn around, change your mind, change your direction, change your way of thinking. Why? Why was he telling people to change their way of thinking? Because heaven is here. Heaven is now. That was the message Jesus, that were some of the first words Jesus proclaimed everywhere he went is change your mind, change your way of living, change your thinking. Why? Because heaven is here. Which is, that's really good news, isn't it? Because our world needs heaven on earth, right? Some of us grew up praying the prayer, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The world is beautiful, but it's broken. It needs repair. It needs to be made new. We are beautiful and broken. The world is not as it should be. We need, if there is such a thing as heaven, for it to come down, to come now. And so the words that Jesus proclaims, change your mind, rethink heaven. It's not far away at all. In fact, it's right here, right now is such good news. But what did he mean? What did he mean that heaven is here? In part, he was actually saying, describing himself as the overlap or as the place where heaven touched earth or where this word spirituality met physicality in one person. That Jesus himself was God in the flesh, heaven touching earth. It was in a sense Jesus saying, rethink, change your mind about God. God is here among you. But then he actually began to say, but God or heaven is actually here now with you, that heaven is in you. The reality of God is here now. Not just Jesus himself, but everything began to change and rethink about what it means to be human, rethink who we are. And that's actually what we've been talking about these last few weeks in this series we've called Inspired. And if you're new or you've missed a couple of them or you've been with us the whole way, this is just telling you that God's plan, God's purposes for your life, when you give your life to Jesus, when you become a follower of Jesus, God's purposes and plans, are, you realize, are this, to make you into a new person. And he does that by putting his life in you. To be inspired is to be inspirited by the Holy Spirit, by the presence and the power and the life of God living in us. It is heaven, in a sense, in us, changing us from the inside out. In a sense, it's like Jesus, when he came, he destroyed the barrier or the gap between heaven and earth. He, in fact, he called himself the new temple. The temple was the place, right, where spirituality and physicality met, where heaven touched earth. Jesus began to describe himself as heaven on earth, as the new temple. He destroyed the barrier or the gap that existed between heaven and earth. But then as God gives us his spirit through Jesus, now the gap or the barrier between heaven and earth in us is destroyed as well. And we begin to experience God in us, changing us from the inside out. That's what it means to be inspired. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Change your mind about God. Change your mind about you. It forces us to repent or to rethink the fact and realize that our faith is about everyday life. That heaven and faith and spirituality is not this sort of up there, nebulous, somewhere in the future, disconnected from earth. But in fact, faith is about everyday life. Jesus himself brought faith near. In fact, he took faith out of the temple, in a sense, brought it into the home, into the marketplace, into the fishing boat, at the dinner table. 
faith is very much about everyday life. It's actually one of our values here at The Well. We say our faith is about everyday life, that heaven touches earth every single day, not only in Jesus himself, but as God gives us his spirit, it means that his spirit is living in us and it begins to change every single part of our day, every single part of our lives. The language we've been using the last couple of weeks is this, that Jesus makes himself seen and known and heard and experienced through the flesh and blood body of the church. That in the same way that Jesus made himself seen and known and heard and visible when he was in the flesh and blood in first century Palestine, now Jesus shows up and is seen and heard and known and experienced through the flesh and blood body that is the church, the body of Christ. And that this happens through what the writers of the New Testament called spiritual gifts, ways that Jesus shows up to us and through us in the community of faith and through the community of faith to the world. That each of us can have a relationship, a living encounter with the living Jesus in our everyday life, that heaven has come to earth through Jesus and now in us. Last week, we talked about there's things that Jesus says to and through his church. Today, we want to talk about the fact that Jesus actually does stuff through his church. It's interesting, right? When we read the account of Jesus' life, Jesus doesn't come to earth as simply a wise man on a mountain or someone who sat on a chair and people came to him for some wise words of advice. Jesus isn't Confucius. Nothing wrong with Confucius. But that's not how Jesus actually appeared among us. Yes, there are a lot of things he said, but there's many things that Jesus actually did. He did a lot of stuff. And I want to look at a passage of scripture today that's actually not from the biographies of Jesus, which we often read from here at the, at the well, but actually from the biography of the first Jesus community, the church, the biography of the church, which is actually interestingly called the Acts of the Apostles, the stuff they did. Or as some people say, actually, it's an account of the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the church the things that Jesus did through the Spirit, through the flesh and blood people that were a part of his church. And we're going to listen to this passage read for us, and maybe you've never heard it before, or you're very familiar with it. But we want to think about it. We don't often think about it actually as a description of how Jesus shows up in and through the church. And we're going to look at it because I think there are two major barriers that we need to deal with or think about or overcome if we are, that we need to, to help us rethink how Jesus does stuff in and through his church. And so I want you to listen as the scripture is read for us today. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now what you just heard read for you... Um some kind of a, a summary description 
of how the Holy Spirit began to work through the church, the earliest community of Jesus' followers. And what's really interesting is there's some ordinary stuff that's described here, like leaders leading and um, people eating meals together and people helping people who were in need or caring for each other, some ordinary stuff. And then there's some extraordinary things that's summarized by these words, um, signs and wonders or miraculous signs and wonders that were being performed, kind of miracles happening in this community. And what's so interesting is I think that this, um, this passage actually highlights two of the barriers that we need to rethink, the barriers for us actually experiencing heaven on earth, actually experiencing a spirituality that very much is physical, that affects our day-to-day -day lives, every one of us. And the barriers are this. We think there are some things that are too ordinary to be the work of Jesus. There are some things, actions that we just think that we do or people do that we just think, oh, that's too ordinary to be described as the work of Jesus showing up. And then there are things that we think are too extraordinary to be our work. Right? There's some things that we think are too physical, too earthy to actually be the work of Jesus, and other things that we think are too spiritual, too heavenly to actually be the work that we might do. And so I want to get into this a bit together today um, to help us understand what the barriers are and how we might be limiting or blocking this idea, or what we actually need to rethink to see Jesus show up in and through his church. That there are some things we think are too ordinary. And, and I want to actually go through the, the list of things here. That things like um, uh, leading people, things like caring for others, things like generosity, things like hospitality, hosting other people. Things that we think are far too ordinary to be the actual work of Jesus. And other things that we think like miraculous signs and wonders, that's too extraordinary to be the work that we could do. And I think we need to camp out here and stop and just listen to some of the ways that scripture describes both the extraordinary and the ordinary things that Jesus does through his church, through some of these spiritual gifts. And we're going to take our time just to read through a few of them. And I've taken these from different lists. There's different New Testament letters, one to the letter in the church in Rome, another to uh, a letter to the church in Corinth, which was an isthmus off uh, the coast of Greece, another letter to a group of churches in Central Asia, in Ephesus, um, that describes some of these things. And I've compiled a list of some of the things that Jesus says, and we're going to begin with the ones that we would think, oh, they're too ordinary to actually be the work of Jesus. The first one is the gift of mercy. Mercy is, and I've just written some descriptions here to help you, the spiritual gift of mercy, moving towards the hurting, the needy, the weak, and the marginalized and victimized to reveal the compassion of Jesus. People with the spiritual gift of mercy are bringing a face-to-face -face encounter with those who are struggling, with those who are needy, with those who are broken, with those who are victimized, with those who are marginalized. People with the gift of mercy move towards people who are in need, move towards people who are broken, move towards people who are victims. Most of the rest of us try to avoid that, or we cross the street, or we don't know what to do. We feel paralyzed um, in the presence of people who are really struggling or who have deep needs. People with the gift of mercy are looking around going, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you helping this person? Someone with the gift of mercy is bringing the compassion of Jesus face to face to another person. Then there's the gift of helps. 
Helps has more to do with tasks or projects or events. People with the gift of helps assist others in practical ways with energy and joy, revealing not the compassion of Jesus, but the servant heart of Jesus. We know Jesus himself washed the feet of his disciples. He was willing to serve. People with the gift of helps are willing to do whatever is needed. They're the kind of people that start doing stuff before anyone asks them. That you invite them over to your house and they start cleaning dishes or helping out. Or they always say, how can I help? What can I do to help? And there's no task too small or too great to say, yeah, I would love to. I'm willing to do that. That's the gift of helps. Another uh, gift is, uh, of doing is giving in hospitality. And I put these together and here's the description. Joyfully and consistently giving away money, time, food, and friendship that reveals the radical grace and inclusion of Jesus. People with the gift of giving are always tuning in to where people might have needs and they want to give them. They want to give financially or give, you know, lend their car or give, lend their house, space, whatever it is, give what they have, clothes, anything. They're tuning into what needs people have and they want to show them through their gift of generosity. It's like saying, hey, I see you. I value you. Your needs are important. They want to help. They want to give. People with the gift of hospitality demonstrate the radical inclusion of Jesus. Whether they have you in their home or whether you have coffee with them or whether they greet you in a gathering or a Sunday, they notice you, they welcome you. People with the gift of hospitality are great at making people feel like they belong. This isn't necessarily people who are great at cooking or have a beautiful home. It's the gift of being able to make people feel radically included and welcome wherever they are. Then there's the spiritual gift of leadership. Leadership is directing others with vision, influence, and inspiration towards God's purposes and plans and his presence. This is the like what and why. Leaders are able to say, God is on the move here, or we see him, or we think this is, this is someplace God is calling us. Let's go together. Come with me to inspire people to move towards God and what he is doing, to be able to galvanize and unite a, a group of people, whether a group of 10 or a group of 10,000, towards something. That's the spiritual gift of leadership. The other side of that gift is what's called administration. This is not the what and the why, but the how and when, right? Someone with the gift of administration organizes and coordinates individuals and communities towards God-directed outcomes. God is at work here. God's doing something. How are we going to get there? The leader, the leaders say, hey, here's where we're going to go. The administrators say, here's how we're going to get there. Oh, you want to go there? This is what we need to do. These are the steps. These are the practical things. This is the budget. This is how we're going to do this. Then there's the shepherding gift. People with the gift of shepherding are not so much concerned with what and why and how and when. They're concerned with who. People with the gift of shepherding come alongside individuals and communities to help them know, see, love, and follow Jesus more closely. A shepherd comes alongside someone else saying, hey, I'm with you. I'm with you in the journey. How can I help you? Where, where are you struggling? What are you interested in? How? Let's go together. The shepherd cares for others. And they have a, a way of seeing individuals. Leaders and administrators see large groups of people or large tasks or plans. Shepherds see individuals. How do we go together? And then there's the gift of apostleship. This is pioneering, mobilizing, influencing communities and movements to bring the love and presence and power of Jesus to more people and places. 
People with the gift of apostleship are innovators. They're creative. They see beautiful things on a white space and say, let's go. They're able to create new ideas. They're always thinking about new paradigms and new ways of loving and following Jesus and helping other people see him. They have an impulse to keep on doing something new. Here's what's interesting about these spiritual gifts, right? They seem intuitive to the people who are doing them. In fact, people who, you know, like I said, people with the gift of mercy or people with the gift of hospitality. How come no one, how come no one else is inviting people over? How come everyone isn't doing this? They see it first. They have an impulse to do it. They don't feel necessarily the power of Jesus going through their veins as they're doing it, right? We said this isn't like a spirit that possesses you and you feel it. They're just doing what they feel is intuitive or they feel compelled to do. They don't necessarily feel Jesus showing up through them as they do it. But you know who does? We do. The rest of us who receive, the rest of us who benefit, the rest of us who are cared for or shepherded or led or given to or, um, or, or hosted or um, invited to, to join God in doing something creative. We feel it. The other people who receive the gifts of helps, of giving, of generosity, of mercy, of leadership, of apostleship, we feel the impact of Jesus. And in fact, what happens is as one person who has this gift goes and does it, there's a wake that pulls others in, right? As people with the gift of mercy say, we have to care for those who are hurting, or here's a, an issue of injustice in our community we need to fight for. It pulls the rest of communi the community with them, right? As people with the gift of hospitality make spaces open and have a radical um, welcome and inclusivity, it makes the community they're a part of more radically welcome. As people with the gift of generosity give, it inspires others to give as well. It's like those with the gifts go ahead and the rest of us who need to do this too, come along with them. They don't realize it, but Jesus is showing up. Jesus is in the room. It's the mercy of Jesus, that the servant heart of Jesus. It's the generosity of Jesus, the radical welcome of Jesus. It's the leadership of Jesus. It's the administration of Jesus. It's the apostolic creativity of Jesus that is present when these gifts are being used. And friends, we need to rethink the fact that these are not just ordinary, everyday physical things. They are crammed with heaven. Jesus is showing up through this. And so I want to take a moment to do something that I said to you we need to do as the community of faith. If the people using these gifts don't necessarily feel the impact of the power of Jesus, but the people who receive them do, we who have received benefit from people who have helped or served or given or hosted or led need to tell other people that we felt Jesus impact us through them. And so what we're going to do is just take a few moments to pause here in the service, and I'm going to invite you to take out your phone, or you, have a, you might have a, a piece of paper or a pencil, and you're just going to um, write, and you'll see those gifts there up on the screen, in any way that anyone in our community has, that you've benefited from them, or you've seen them you do one of these things, like do one of these, what we would call ordinary things. You're going to write a little note to them that says, hey, fill in the blank, their name. Jesus worked through you when you did this. Now, you may know their name and you may have their number, so you can text them right now. Uh, you can send them an email. Um, you could write a piece of paper and take a picture if you don't know them. And, or if you, you could give it to them here if you don't know who they are, but maybe you've seen them. You say, hey, I want to give this to you. Or you could send it to the site pastor and say, hey, can you pass this on to whoever this is? Or I know their name, but I don't have their contact information. Let's just take a moment. And as you look through those gifts, think, how have I felt the impact of Jesus showing up to me through somebody 
um, using one of these gifts. They may not even realize they have these gifts until you send them a note, until their phone blows up this morning. They're like, holy cow, apparently Jesus is working through me. That's been my experience. I don't realize it until other people tell me. And so we need to do that for each other. So we're just going to take a couple minutes and do that now. So you can um, look on your phone or um, use a piece of paper and the gifts are up there on the screen. Let's just take a moment to help other people know and see that they have blessed us. Friends, this is helping people who maybe have these gifts to rethink and saying, these things are not too ordinary to be the work of Jesus. Jesus shows up in power through people using their gifts of mercy and of helps and of generosity and hospitality and leadership and administration and shepherding and apostleship. But there are also gifts. We need to rethink the fact that there are gifts and ways Jesus shows up in extraordinary uh, gifts that we have to rethink and say, no, these are not too extraordinary for you and I to actually do these things. That Jesus can actually show up in extraordinary ways through us as well. And I just want to read three of them. These are three different gifts that are what we would call maybe the more extraordinary of the ones, the ones that we would be tempted to think, oh, those are too supernatural. Those are too spiritual to be in my everyday life, to be part of my everyday faith, to be part of the physical world. They're way too up there in the spiritual world. One of them is the gift of healing. The gift of healing is the supernatural release of the healing power of Jesus for relief or cure of emotional, physical, and mental illnesses. When you read the biographies of Jesus, you cannot miss the fact that he was healing everywhere he went. And that he was ministering to people's bodies and healing their bodies, but also healing their spirits, their emotions, and their minds, some of the mental illnesses. 
And when we um, pray and, and, and in Jesus' name, people, the, the spiritual gift of healing comes and can heal people. In fact, one of the things to realize about this one is when it says gifts of healing, this, um, the writers, it seems to be not necessarily just one person has this gift, but that as people pray for healing, the Spirit gives gifts to people to be able to heal others through their prayers in that moment. That this is kind of given out as it's needed, as people are coming to receive the gift of healing from different people in the church. So yes, there may be certain people that have this gift and it seems like God uses them a lot to heal, but it may also be that God is just giving the gift of healing to other people. There's been two times I've been healed dramatically of stuff. One was uh, when I was in high school and through the elders of our former church. And it was in such a way that I knew because I had been to doctors and treated stuff and, and things were getting worse. And then they prayed and I got healed like within a week. Another time I actually got healed of a problem that I had in my hips that was causing constant back pain. I went forward at a prayer meeting for healing and I got it. And the next day, and I knew, I knew something had happened. And the next day I went to the chiropractor who I used to see every other week. And I didn't tell him anything. I said, hey, do you, just, do you notice anything different? And he was treating my back and whatever. He's like, oh, your hips are straight. They're never straight. And I have really have not had pain in my back since that happened. So that's happened. I've experienced that. People, God has healed people in our church through healing prayer times of physical illnesses, of mental illnesses, of emotional illnesses, healed their hearts. This is something that Jesus does as he shows up through his church in extraordinary ways through ordinary people. That's the gift of healing. A word that we sometimes conflate with the gift of healing but seems to be different is miracles or miraculous signs. This is the releasing of God's supernatural power so that his miraculous intervention is revealed, which confirms the authenticity and reality of Jesus. In both the cases of healing and miracles, most often what we read in the New Testament is they were to convince people who didn't believe Jesus was real or that Jesus had authority or that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was real. In fact, I know someone in our church who's prayed for a couple of people who don't know Jesus and they were, um, they were healed of like smoking, like they were able to quit when they weren't, and they knew it. They even said to that person, it's because you prayed. In another case, someone got pregnant who had been trying for a long time to get pregnant and they knew it was because of that. Now, neither of them have come to follow Jesus because of that. Uh, we can still pray for that. But this is a way that Jesus actually demonstrates his authenticity, miraculous provision, miraculous intervention, um, divine appointments, meetings. These are miraculous things that happen where Jesus shows up through ordinary people and does extraordinary things right here, right now on the earth where heaven touches earth. And then there's the gift of discernment. And discernment is a little bit different. And even as I'm describing these things, you're like, what, really? This is like the spiritual world and the physical world? Yes. Earth is crammed with heaven. Heaven is right here, right now. Jesus says it's here. It's among you. The spiritual and the physical world are all intertwined. This is the gift of discernment. This is the ability to see or sense the presence of good and God or evil in the spiritual realm or sense something under the surface between people or in relation, relational situations. There are some people who have the gift of discernment where they're able to really, they are aware of when God is in the room. They have a, a deep sensitivity to the presence of God through the Holy Spirit. They can feel his joy, his love, his words. They seem to be immediately in tune kind of with that. That's a spiritual gift. There are others who sense the presence of evil. And they know it's more than just, I'm having a bad day or it's cloudy out or I ate a weird burrito last night. Like there's something not right here in the spiritual realm. There are people who sense the presence of evil, evil spirits. And then there are others who just have a sense, like when they're in a conversation with someone that, something's being hidden or something's not quite right or that person's not okay and they haven't said anything but I need to ask them, they're, they're able to discern or see or sense what's under the surface, what's not being said. 
out loud. And even as I'm reading this list, right, it's very easy for some of us to go, no, that's too extraordinary. Does that really happen? Sometimes we think about that the gift of healing because not everyone's healed all the time. And uh, Sandy Miller, who was the uh, director at HTB Brompton, who, who launched the Alpha Course way back when um, with Nikki Gumbel, said, he said, you know, before we never prayed for anyone to be healed and nobody was healed. Now we pray for everybody to be healed and some people are healed, <laughs> right? And so it doesn't happen all the time because God's spirit isn't a spirit we conjure and we say the right spell and we push the right buttons and then the spirit does whatever we want it to do. That's not how the spirit does what he wants to do, not what we want to do. But we need to repent or rethink right? Change our mind about the fact that there are things that are not too extraordinary to be happening in and through us. That these are the things we need to rethink. There are things that we think are too ordinary to be the work of Jesus and other things that we think are to be too extraordinary to be our work or the way Jesus would show up through us. Um, and so I want to actually just, I feel like as we think about this and saying, man, Jesus wants to show up. He wants to do stuff in and through his church. He wants to convince other people that are skeptical about him or don't believe that, he's, that he is real through his power by the work that the church does. He wants to do things in and through the church. But that means we need to rethink. We need to change our minds about some of the ways that Jesus does, things that we think are too ordinary to be the presence and power and work of Jesus, or things that we think are too extraordinary for it to be something little old me could do. And so I wanna take a few months just as we end our service here to give you a chance to quote, repent. And again, you don't have to run for the door because you're not gonna say anything or whatever. When we're talking about this word repent, we mean to rethink, to change our minds, to think again to change our way of thinking about God and about ourselves, about heaven and earth and what everyday life is really like. And so we're going to do this in, in two, two groups. First of all, for some of you, um, you need to rethink uh, the fact that you have done some of these, you have some of these gifts, but you haven't really paid attention to the fact that Jesus is showing up in them. You sort of downplay the gifts. You're like, oh, well, that's just what I do, or I'm just built that way, or I just, you know, I'm, I'm intuitively wired that way. It's like, no, this is actually the presence and power of Jesus showing up through you. And so if, and that's you, like you, 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 you have, maybe you think you have, I might have the gifts of, I tend to move towards people who are broken or hurting or in need or victimized or marginalized, or I love just doing stuff, whatever is needed. I just kind of do that. And you just haven't realized that's Jesus showing up in you. Or yes, I love to give. I love to find out who's in need and, and anything I have to give, whether I have a lot or a little. Or I love to host people. I love to welcome people. I love to see new people and help them feel at home. Or I love to lead. You know, I love to encourage and inspire others to join me in what God is doing and follow him. Or I love to help people get there. I love to help leaders get to where they're going. I help communities lay out the steps. Or I love to come alongside people as a shepherd. Or I love to be creative and think new things and dream new dreams and be bold with what God is calling me to do. That's you in any way that maybe you've sort of discounted that and you've downplayed it. Can I just invite you to just put your hand up and just say, like, yeah, that's, that's me. Like, uh, that's, um, and, and in fact, maybe I'll just invite you to stand. Um, if you think you have any of these gifts, but maybe you've just ignored them or you've downplayed them, I'm gonna invite you to stand and then we're gonna ask someone <laughs> um, to pray over you, someone from our church, to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you with more of his power and to help you become more aware of how Jesus is showing up in you and through you through these gifts. So if that's you and you think you might, and you're like, ah, oh, I'm not sure I do. This isn't about um, boasting or whatever. Don't be shy. 
If this is a way you think God works in you, or this is an instinct, an impulse you have, just stand up now, and then someone in our church is actually going to pray for you. All right, well, don't think I've forgotten about the other extraordinary gifts, right? That, woo, does Jesus really do that stuff? Gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, gifts of discernment. I'm going to pray for some of you, and really in two ways here. Some of you who maybe would say, well, I don't think God works that way. That you don't really believe that heaven touches earth like that. Like your faith is very much kind of grounded every day. Like I read scripture, I pray, or, um, you know, or maybe you don't do any of that. Maybe you're a person, of, not a person of faith, because you're like, I don't think any of that's real. But maybe you're being invited today to rethink that. Say, no, like heaven touches earth. It's crammed with earth. That God's spirit is showing up in powerful ways to demonstrate the power and the love and the presence of Jesus right here, right now, through ordinary people in everyday life. There are some of you like that who have just kind of discounted it. Or there are others of you who have not taken the chance to see if you even have these gifts because you don't pray for others for healing. If somebody's sick, you just say, oh, I hope you're better, or did you go to the doctor, or I'm sorry, you know, is there anything you need, right? But you don't think to pray that the presence and the power of Jesus would show up to heal them. Or perhaps when someone says, oh, I, I, you know, I, 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 our house isn't selling, or I lost my job, or, you know, we, uh, there's this situation that, isn't, uh, that we need to change, that you don't think, oh, I'm going to pray for a miracle. You just think, oh, I guess that's a closed door, I guess you have to move on, or I'm really sorry. But you have discounted the fact that Jesus may want to show up through you because you've never thought that you might have the gift of healing or God might bring the gifts of miraculous divine intervention through your prayers. Or perhaps others of you who'd never pay attention to those promptings, you just kind of ignore them and think, oh, I, I guess I'm, you know, I'm just feeling really joyful today. You don't realize you're sensing the presence of God. Or you feel really heavy and you actually realize, you don't realize you're sensing the presence of evil. Or there's something going on in the surface, but you're, you don't want to say it. You're like, oh, I probably I'm just reading into it. Or they were fine. You're ignoring the fact that the gift of discernment might be operating in and through you. But because you're not doing it, you don't know, even know you have it. So for some of you that have just said, I don't think God works that way. Or you don't think God could work that way through you. If that's you, either category, you don't have to, but would you be willing as your act of, quote, repentance, just to stand up and say, I want to rethink that. I want to change my mind about that. Would you just stand? And then as you do, I'm going to invite someone else in our church to pray over you, that God's spirit would fill you, that God's spirit would prove to you that he is real, that Jesus shows up in power to you, and he can show up through you. So would you stand? And someone in our church is going to pray for you now. Friends, when we allow Jesus to help us rethink this stuff, when we're honest and say, okay, yeah, I need to change my mind. There are things that are not too ordinary to be the work of Jesus. There are things that are not too extraordinary for Jesus to do his work through me and through you. You know what happens when the church begins to do this together? say the things that Jesus wants to say, do the things that Jesus is doing together when using our spiritual gifts and what we talked about last week and this week, you know what happens? We get a little taste of heaven on earth, <laughs> right? We get to taste what it's like when there's caring, when there's loving, when there's leading, when there's growing, when there's shepherding, when there's giving, when there's hospitality, radical inclusion, when the words of Jesus are being spoken with power and heard, when people are being taught, when people are being lifted up, when people are being healed, when miracles are happening, it's a taste, just a taste of heaven on earth. 
it's actually the fulfillment of that prayer that perhaps many of us have prayed maybe once or twice or maybe many years. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.